the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Six minutes after six on a Thursday, and um, the ragweed and and dust and pollen are high today, evidently, because it's definitely, definitely having its way with me this morning. Hope that it's not bothering you too much. Took my allergy pills, trying to make sure everything was going to go all right, and just before I went on the air, it was like everything just gave up and just started running, so you... I apologize if I have to hit the cough button a couple of times this morning, but it may have to be done. Just to make sure that you know, we are two days away from kickoff. It's almost like, you know that they moved the launch now for uh, our moon rocket until Saturday. So we might get, and I'm hoping this will happen, a launch of the, the new moon rocket on Saturday, and then a win for the Razorbacks. That would be a good Saturday. I'm just telling you. Plus, I don't I don't eat chips and uh, salsa very often now, except on football days. And now we're moving into football season. I get to get my fill of salsa and and chips. I'm looking forward to to that. Uh, Lance Hines is supposed to be on his way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lance Hines is supposed to be on on his way. He, of course, works with the uh, the city council. We've uh, invited him on the show today. I had gotten an okay from him yesterday, and that he would be here in studio this morning. Uh, but you know, sometimes you're a little slow with this early in the morning. People aren't used to getting up at you know maybe five o'clock and to make a six o'clock appointment but uh, we hope that he'll be here and, and be with us for the first hour i know that joe will be here he'll be with us in the seven o'clock hour we'll talk to him about uh, cars and um, i got a story definitely i want to talk to him about that came out of california yesterday which i i was telling uh, heidi made me laugh so hard that i literally had tears in my eyes I just start cracking up, and I'll tell you what that is in the next hour. But in the final hour today, 9 o'clock, Jimmy's back. Jimmy Cavan, he's my FOIA warrior. And uh, there's been all kinds of uh, new things come up. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, Jegley, the prosecuting attorney, is involved in it. So we'll find out all the new information dealing with the uh, city government not following the state standards and laws and city laws uh, dealing with, um, you know, freedom of information. 
So we'll talk to Jimmy about that. And he's got something going on in Cabot as well. So we'll be talking to him about Cabot also. So all of that, all of that is going on here on the Dave Ellswick Show today. You know, we try to keep up what's going on as far as local issues and keep you up to date on all of that. I wanted to talk to Lance about this whole thing about crime because it doesn't show any inkling of calming down. It uh, just continues to roll along. And it's not Pine Bluff. Uh, It's not the inner city. It is all over the place in central Arkansas. So we want to talk to him about that, see what he has to say, what he's he's got to say about what the mayor is doing, anything good there uh, at all uh, for us to hear about. And then what's going on as far as um, around the world, you know, I'll kind of touch on some of the big, big stories. For instance, the UN Human Rights Council released a report detailing China's treatment of the Uyghurs as possible crimes against humanity. Uh, the Daily Caller reporting that the United Nations Human Rights Body will release a report documenting Chinese human rights abuses against uh, the Uyghur minority group. Hours before High Commissioner Michelle Bratchlett steps down. That's what AFP reported. Uh, Wednesday, Bratchlett had promised to release the long-awaited report by the end of the month, but said on August 25th that substantial input from China given during a customary review period had indefinitely delayed publication. Well, you know the Chinese don't want it out. We all know the problem that they had. I mean, when they did the uh, the Olympics here not too long ago, remember they had they had their uh, they had their one wigger out there. <laughs> Do you remember that? They had them dressed up and had them out in the big dance number or whatever, and they're standing there waving <laughs> as though that as though that gets rid of the uh, massive just killing that has been going on over there. Uh, of course, that doesn't bother Disney and a lot of movie makers. Marvel and others, they still continue to make their movies there. Uh, I, I forget what Marvel movie it was. They were making it, and not two blocks away was a concentration camp for Uyghurs. Uh, New York Times saying the release ended a nearly year-long delay that had exposed Ms. Bachelet and her office to fierce pushback by human rights groups, activists, and others who accused her of kowtowing to Beijing. Does any no wait a second. Does anybody really kowtow to Beijing? I mean if they do something wrong, we call them on it, right? Yeah, you know we don't. Uh which it sought to to block the report. Uh for the New York Times reporter Benjamin Alvarez, the UN's report on uh Ping says that uh, China's treatment of the Uyghur minority may constitute international crimes, in particular, crimes against humanity. There you go. What can I tell you? They're paying, they're paying, they're giving it lip service. It's kind of like during World War II when the uh, Allies, we gave lip service to the uh, Holocaust while it was going they knew it was going on. I'm just telling you, they knew it was going on, uh, but it wasn't on the front burner. You know, defeating fascism was the, on the front burner. That was the real fascism. Let me let me tell let me tell the left here real quick. Uh, if you go read your history, that's when 
the real Nazis were around, and we were defeating them over in Europe, not the the fake Nazis that you want to talk about that uh, are here in the United States. Just crazy stuff that they do. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. I read you a story yesterday, talked about it a little bit, about uh, Newsom and the legislature out there in California. And uh, the legislature passed a law. It's a bill now. Well, it's not a bill yet. It's sitting on the governor's desk. He's got to the 30th of this month to decide whether he's going to sign it. And uh, it's called the FAST Act. Now, you might remember I talked about this. This is where the government, the elected government of California, is going to tell fast food restaurants how much money they must pay their workers. That's what they're going to do. They're going to tell them how much money they have to pay. Well, restaurant operators and business advocates mobilized to try to persuade California Governor Gavin Newsom to veto the bill that would set the wages for fast food workers, a move they said could increase costs. Could? I think that we can say will. I mean, they're talking about $22 an hour. For somebody to flip burgers and, uh, you know, take that little handheld thing that squeezes out a pre-measured amount of uh, ketchup and and mustard and sprinkles, I don't know, some onions on 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 the hamburger. And saying that it could set a precedent other states and cities might follow. The effort is being pushed by franchise, uh, franchise owners, including many who would have to take on the cost of paying workers a minimum wage as high as $22 an hour starting next year. That would be set by the government-run council created by the bill. Chains that operate their own restaurants, such as Starbucks, Chipotle's, and In-N-Out Burger, would also be affected. Groups representing restaurant companies and owners said they plan to launch an advertising campaign and deploy franchisees and business leaders to attempt to persuade Mr. Newsom, a Democrat, to veto the bill, which they say is the latest evidence of California making it difficult for businesses to thrive. Let me, let me change that. Instead of thrive, how about to, uh, to survive? You keep raising the uh, overhead, you make it difficult for a business to survive. CNBC uh, uh, replying there, nearly 10% of McDonald's U.S. restaurants are located in California. The National Restaurant Association, an industry group, has also spent at least $140,000 to fight the bill, according to California records. We'll have more on that as it continues out in california but right now i got to talk to you about david lucas because he wants to help you make sure your nest egg stays a nest egg and doesn't end up being just some you know bare branches up in a tree trying to hold the money that you need to be able to survive uh during your retirement with inflation and everything that's going on governments that are telling businesses how much they have to pay their workers. But anyway, David Lucas 
will uh, help you learn how to uh, buy silver and gold. That's not like buying anything else uh, that you that you get for your uh, your retirement. You know, buying you know getting into a four hundred one k or or do you want to you know pay taxes on your money in your four hundred one k up front or pay it as you take it out? Things those are kind of issues that you've been used to doing. But now you got to decide how you're going to buy the gold and buy the silver. Uh, professional investment. People will tell you you need about 15% in your nest egg. So how do you get that 15%? Well, talk to David Lucas Financial. Call him at 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. That number, one more time, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Something tells me somebody overslept. All right. I've, uh, I've sent Lance a, uh, a text and no answer yet. So he may have slept through the... Uh, the alarm that's been known to happen to some of my guests many many times you know getting up at five o'clock is a little bit different for some people i understand that so uh we'll keep our eye out on the on the story that we've been talking about dealing with um the franchisees out there in california being told by the legislature in california how much they must pay their workers not how much they can afford to pay their workers and and stay in business or make enough money that they can continue uh, to uh, you know grow. Oh, no, 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 no. How much the uh, the biggest and brightest think that they need to pay uh, for the people who live out in California. So anyway, the franchise the franchise owners are going nuts right now and yeah, because i i'm sure when this first was brought up they thought it ain't gonna pass it's just not gonna can, can you see can you not see it they're having lunch somewhere and there's a guy that owns a mcdonald's another guy has a starbucks another guy has another restaurant a woman and they're talking and they go hey did you see that piece of legislation uh, that the legislature, the legislature up in Sacramento is thinking about, you know, that they're going to set the price that we got to pay our people, and all of them just ah, <laughs> never, that's never going to happen. Surely they know that'll force people out of the businesses. Not a laughing matter anymore. It is not a laughing matter anymore. Well, there was a victory for free speech at a. Uh, School, Fort Riley Middle School. The officials have agreed to pay $95,000 in damages and attorney fees for violating a math teacher's First Amendment rights when the teacher was reprimanded and suspended for her not addressing a student by the student's legal and enrolled name and forced her to conceal the student's social transition from the student's parents. All right, so 
they ref- this or not, this teacher said that hey. I'm going to call you. Your name is Mary Sue. I'm going to call you Mary Sue. I'm not going to call you your pronoun, her, she. She? She? You know, waiting for her to put her hands up and say, here. Uh, That didn't happen. And then on top of that, uh, she wants to transition. And again, this is in a middle school. And she wouldn't hold that information back from the parents. She told the parents. Oh, my God, a gasp. <laughs> the left. You go, you can see them right now. They're gasping for air, as I mentioned that. The ACLU is freaking out right now. You know, I can't believe that they would do that. They're a minor. Seems to me they should have to do that. I mean, if, if she showed up to the school with aspirin... She'd have to have a note from a doctor saying that she can uh, take him and give him to the school nurse. But if it's a girl and she suddenly wants to be a boy or it's a boy that suddenly thinks that I want to be a girl and they're thinking about getting the, you know, the, the penis saw out, I'm just telling you. They feel like they should be able to do that and not say a doggone thing to you, the parent. That's ridiculous. It it definitely must become illegal. Of course, you have courts like the SAFE Act here in this state where we're trying to keep that stuff from happening with minors. You know, you get 18, you want to change sex, up to you. All right? But it should not be on the parent. It should not be on the parent. I mean, we have laws that... uh, protect children when there are surgical procedures that are called for because of a disease or whatever. That the the child is sometimes given a transfusion because it's the only thing that will save their lives. We got so many weird things going on in our country. Where did this stuff come from in our country? How stupid do you have to be to think that uh, you know some kid that's in grade school or middle school that can't decide what they want to be when they're older except that, well, I don't want to be a boy. I want to be a girl. And they're willing to take them and put them with, put, give them block, you know, blockers to keep them from, uh, you know, perform, uh, uh, producing the hormones that would make them a male or a female or forcing them to take hormones that will make them grow breasts or whatever. How crazy do we have to get in this country? You know, I'd like to know why, you know, the parents want to go along with this. I just think we're going to we're going to run into a lot a lot of people making the decision about well I I I really wanted a son. So I'll make my daughter identify as a boy. And and uh, I'll have my son or I'll make him identify as a girl so I'll get my daughter. Uh anyway, this the law group uh, helped her out uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. 
and uh, Pamela Ricard in her lawsuit against school officials in Kansas City. The Kansas City Star reported, in order to be respectful to the student without compromising her own beliefs, she referred to the student as Miss, last name. The lawsuit stated, and uh, we'll get more into this when we come back. There's more to talk about about this whole thing. This this country is insane, has gotten insane about this stuff. They really, really have. They have. There, I'll use that pronoun. How's that cover? Does that cover it? They. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you along with us for the ride. Waiting for Lance. He's not here yet. Hopefully he'll get here. Sure want to see him today. Want to talk to him. But uh, he hasn't arrived yet. He's got the number to get in. And, uh, you know, I just sent him another text. Where are you? I haven't looked to see if you give me an answer. I'll look to see. But we got news for you. So let's get some news for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I'll be back with you in just a moment with more on this story. You've got health insurance, right? You just wish it was a lot cheaper than what it is? Well, have you talked to Pat Davis? I've been talking about Pat for years now. Have you ever taken the time to pick up the phone to call him? He says he can save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Now, there's only, you know, a couple of reasons why you wouldn't pick up the phone. One, you think that it's too good to be true. Or uh, two, you don't have the time. Or three, you just don't want to deal with it. And I can understand the last one. I don't understand the other two. The last one, the whole thing about you just don't have the time, you think it's going to take forever, it won't take forever with Pat Davis. Maybe 15 minutes to talk to him or one of the people who work for him on the phone from his uh, his business office. And they'll give you all the ins and outs on how you can save 30 to 50% on health insurance. Let me think, when you think about health insurance, are you uh, self-employed? If you are... This is for you. Uh, You've got a small business, and you still like to give uh, health insurance to your employees because you think that it gives you one up on getting the good employees you need for your business. You can say, hey, I can offer you health insurance at a reasonable cost. That's a good thing, all right? And with Pat Davis, this is a good thing for you. No co-pays. That's a big deal for anybody who has health insurance. Nothing worse than showing up at the doctor and you got to spend uh, 25 to $50, maybe more, just to get in to see them. And they're rushed because they got a million people they got to see. And you don't even feel like you had enough time to talk to them. But you paid the copay, didn't you? And then, uh, you know, you're out there and you get a really good health insurance policy. And then you look at the deductible and it kicks in and starts paying after you pay an inordinate amount for a deductible. All of those things can be addressed by Pat. He can save you money. I'm just telling you. He can save you money. And over a year, he can save you thousands of dollars. Call him, 501-605-6935. That's his phone number. 501-605-6935. Or you want to do it on the Internet. YourHealthPlanMan.com. That's one word, YourHealthPlanMan, 
Com. All right, let me finish up this story about this lady out in Kansas City who is going to be paid $95,000 because um, the school made her speak to the student with pronouns and whatnot. Listen to the rest of this story. You tell me that this, this, uh, this school had this student best in mind. Um, in order to be respectful to the student without compromising her own beliefs, the teacher referred to the student as Miss and then her last name. That's what the lawsuit states. Her attorney stated that Ricard regularly uses last names instead of first names, quote, as a more formal way of addressing students or getting students' attention. When I was school, they did that all the time. The school district, according to Ricard's attorneys, also forced the teacher to conceal the student's social transition to his parents. Ricard was supposed to use this. Now listen, listen to this. This is what the school told the teacher. You're to use the student's preferred pronouns and preferred name in class. This is a middle student, a middle school student. But use the kid's legal name when you're talking to the parents. Hmm. So they were keeping it a secret from the parents. Does the school have the right to do that? you got to ask yourself that question. And if it's going on in Kansas City, does it go on in Arkansas? Does this same kind of stuff happen in our own state? The teacher retired in May, had enough of it, and as part of the settlement, the district agreed to issue a statement that she was, quote, in good standing without any disciplinary actions against her, said her attorney. Now, what that does, when you read that, it shows you that the school knows what they were doing was wrong, with a capital W. So they're going to be hit with a fine for $95,000, and I hope the rest of the parents in that school system Pay attention now and uh, start questioning their school board and their superintendent and that principal about why the school had to be hit with a $95,000 judgment to get them to do the right thing. I want to thank this teacher for not letting this just go by. I'll, I'll give the folks um, that deal, dealt with this and, and, and get a hold of them. We've had them on many a time and see if we can get them, the attorneys with Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, we'll see if we can get them on and talk about this um, after we take our three-day weekend and bring it back up and talk. I'll, I'll, I'll get it set up if I can. And that way I can promote it over the holiday 
and you'll know that they're going to be on and talk about this specific this specific uh, uh, situation. And I'll ask him the question: Are you guys hearing anything in Arkansas from people about this kind of stuff? Is this kind of stuff going on in my state? I'd like to know. Inquiring minds want to know. So we'll find out about that. We'll find out about it. So anyway, that's going on. Keep that in mind. Uh, The Daily Wire reporting two Fort Worth, Texas moms were charged more than $1,200 to see the public school district's K-12 curriculum book lists. And now one mom has filed a complaint. You think? That's where FOIA comes in, folks. On August 8th, Christiana Ninopoulos, whose daughter is in 8th grade, filed a public records request with the Fort Worth Independent School District for copies of the book list for kindergartner through 12th grade. She was told the request would cost an eye-popping $1,267.50 to fill. Another Fort Worth mom, Jenny Crossland, was trying to decide where to send her daughter to kindergarten and uh, filed the same public records request for K-12 book less. She was given the same answer. The request would cost $1,267.50 and take 84 and a half hours of labor. That's two weeks. That's BS. Pure BS. The Goldwater Institute, Texas law requires that any public records fees be reasonable and that for records under 50 pages, fees be limited to photocopying charges. Further, governmental bodies in the state must abide by the Attorney General's cost rules when determining how much they will charge to produce public records. Let me just go back to the previous uh, story where the teacher was to call the student by their pronouns, preferred pronouns, during school, but if they were talking to the parents, they were supposed to use their for better terminology, or maybe not. Now, let's let's see if they'll be marching in front of my studio. Their Christian name, uh, you, you should call them by that when you're talking to the parents. Here, to be able to see the reading list for kindergarten through 12th, this school wants $1,267.50. What are they hiding I'm just going to say it that way. I'm tired of this stuff. What are they hiding? What is it they don't want the parents to see? There is a war going on in a lot of our public schools. I'm not saying in all of them. There are some good public schools out there. There are superintendents that make smart moves. But there's a lot of superintendents and principals that are just dumb as a bag of rocks. And we got to put it into it. So I hope that they sue. I hope that they sue, and then I hope the school board, if they're not privy to this information before it happened, 
fire the superintendent and fire the people who were saying, hey, you got to pay $1,267. And if it's a school board, may the people of that school district fire the whole school school board. Get them out of there. All right. So that's that's going on, too. Wow. I got myself wound up here, Heidi. Doesn't take much today. Just to let you know. And I'll, I'll give the Goldwater Institute a call. And uh, we're good friends with them. And we'll see if we can't get them on to come on and talk about this as well. Just give you the facts of it. How are they figuring that they that these parents need to pay over $1,200 to see the, the reading looks, list? Sounds to me uh, it should be something in the order, order of maybe... 10 15 bucks at the most all right so we'll we'll look into that as well boy we got good stuff to get to after uh, we take the break for uh, for labor day to uh, discuss hey don't forget about pi roofing you know when i say pi roofing what do you think about duh you <laughs> you think about roofing but they're more than that when you think pi roofing i want you to think construction as well They've got a whole division of PI roofing that if you need some things fixed in your home, you know, maybe you got a you had a leak and you need some work done on your ceiling in your house or you got uh, some water damage and more like me, uh, I've had my deck for 12 years and now it's showing wear and tear and I want to get it fixed. I can call PI roofing to come out and tell me how much it's going to cost to fix it because they've got the people that know how to do that and have the talents to do it. So now it's not just roofs anymore. It's construction. It's even windows and gutters. When you think PI roofing, you got to think about a whole lot more. Call them. 501-707-3551. That's 501-707-3551. Or visit them online, piroofing.com. Bed, Bath, and Beyond taking it on the chin. I'm telling you, they're taking it on the chin. Uh, the, the flailing home goods retailer unveiled its ambitious turnaround plan Wednesday, a plan that includes closing 150 stores. I don't have the list, so I don't know if the ones here in Little Rock, North Little Rock, are going to be affected. Uh, They're going to cut 20% of their staff, and they're backpedaling on its strategy of pushing private labels over national brands. The changes come after a tumultuous few years for the once dominant home emporium that have included executive turmoil, mounting losses, and a volatile stock price thanks to meme investors. Uh, Daily Wire reporting the home goods retailer saw a $2.83 loss per share in its first quarter. That missed the $1.39 loss per share predicted by analysts. Bed Bath & Beyond CEO Mark Triton subsequently stepped down from his position and was replaced by interim CEO Sue Grove, who served on the company's board. Man, maybe we should have something like that for presidents. You know, when the, the economy goes south because of uh, decisions that the higher-ups have made, 
uh, maybe the people at the top should have to step down and not be in charge of running the country anymore. That might not be a bad idea. Of course, I jest, okay? That's why we have elections. Elections have consequences. And if you listen to the people who are running for offices, if you'll ask them questions, if you'll listen to the interviews that they give, they will typically tell you exactly what they will do in typical situations. And if they're leaning towards a socialist, you know, worldview, believe them. Don't say, well, they'll get in there and they'll change their minds. Don't, don't, don't think that way. Just know that if they say that they think that the legislature, like in California, should be able to tell fast food restaurants how much they have to pay their workers, no matter how much pain it inflicts on the business, that they're going to do it, that they mean it. And they probably shouldn't be your elected representative, unless that's the way you feel, because you've never taken an econ class. That uh, is the case here. That uh, that is what you got to think about. It's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, who they're going to close. Like I said, I I'm looking here. Usually, when they start talking about 150 stores are going to close, there's a little, you know, it's highlighted like in red or blue or green or something, and you hit it, and it gives you the states and it gives you the stores that they're going to close. Uh, close, but I I don't see that here right now uh, for uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know if they made that determination yet uh, or not, uh, as far as that's concerned. You know, I'll do I can do a real quick check and see if it's uh, if it's on here. Let me get get it here. Let me see what we got here. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm trying to find out. Okay, bed plants. I'm in bed, bath, and beyond closures by state. Yeah, this is what I do. What I do for a living. What can I tell you? Somebody's got to do it. Uh, 150 shows close. Which ones are closing? Okay, see what it says. There's Washington, okay. Uh, Bed Bath is closing 37 stores across the U.S. before the end of February next year. So it may be a while before we hear uh, what they're they're going to do. Uh, oh, there's business inside. Here's the full list, they say. So I'm looking. I'm, I'm Going here's Alabama, Arizona, California, Florida. Ah, see, Arkansas not on there. We're not on there. Looks like maybe we we missed the bullet here. I'm looking, and Arizona, Arkansas is not on there. So I think we can we can say we missed the bullet. Maybe there are our, our uh, stores here in Arkansas are performing above what a lot of stores are. Uh, are performing, but no, nothing, nothing for the wonderful state of Arkansas here. Alabama is going to have lose one. Oxford Exchange in Oxford, Alabama. Arizona one, two. 
California. How many are they missing? One, two, three, four, five, six in uh, California. Florida got one. Georgia. And don't see. Georgia's got one, two. There you go. We, we They skipped over us, Heidi. We still can go to Bed Bath & Beyond. That's good. I like that because I like that store, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that I buy a lot of stuff there. But I will tell you that I go and, and check it out because they usually have the newest stuff. You know, here in America, we got to buy stuff. <laughs> we got to have our stuff. So uh, I go over and look at, uh, uh, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond to see if there's some stuff that I need to buy and stick in a closet a couple of weeks uh, later. And uh, when I'm st- now that I've been starting to think about when I'm going to sell my house, I look at all that stuff and I go, I don't want to move all that. I don't even want to have a garage sale with all of that stuff. So I'm stuck. Paralyzed by stuff. All right. Going to take a break. Joe says they still have that problem uh, at the uh, Air Force Base uh, entrance off of 67, slowing traffic. He might be a little late coming in, but he'll be here to answer your car questions. And that's coming up next after the news on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yesterday, I'm reading stories, as I always do. I try to keep up on everything and keep it out in front of you as much as I possibly can. And I came across this from the Washington Examiner. California has reaffirmed, and that's a a real newspaper. I mean, it's got thousands of people that, uh, you know, pay money to, to get it. California has reaffirmed its commitment to banning gasoline-powered cars and requiring all new sales to be of electric cars in the coming years. I think it's uh, 2035. After that, you will not be able to buy an ICE car. Now, that's what they're calling them, internal combustion engines, ICE for short, okay? 
Now California, here, 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 this is great. I love it. I really did get a good laugh in this. Now California's grid operator is telling residents not to charge their electric cars during regular heat waves in order to avoid straining the grid. Residents have been uh, advised to take voluntary energy cuts, including setting their thermometers to seven, uh, 78 degrees Fahrenheit and not charging their electric cars. This is because the, quote, demand for electricity remains high and there is less solar energy available. Now, does that mean that the sun isn't shining as much in California? I don't think so. All right. Uh, it turns out you can't run a state of roughly 39 million people entirely on solar panels. Duh, who would have guessed that? Michael Schellenberger, on August 24th, California banned sale of new gasoline-powered cars. August 30th, California asked Californians to avoid charging electric vehicles due to electricity shortages. What's funny is that Joe and I and Duck have been talking about this for two years. Yep. Two years. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist. You don't have to go to NASA or to Cape Canaveral where they've got the moon rocket setting and talk to those people to figure if you don't have enough electricity now, adding thousands of electrical cars is not going to make it more difficult for your electrical grid. And I, no. the first thing that Blake said to me, he said, well, they're going to have to redo the whole electrical grid. Exactly. That's it. Well, you know, um, we didn't have gas pumps before cars became around, so they, they figured out how to make us have gasoline everywhere. They'll figure out how to get ele- electricity everywhere. Yeah, they'll start using eventually. coal again. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> when, when the need comes up, capitalism will come in and figure it out. Well, I promise if there's a way to make a dollar, somebody will figure out how to make an extra dollar off of it. They're, ban- they're banning gas cars in California by 2035, which means massive pain for the grid there when everyone is forced to drive only electric cars Toddlers could run a state more competently than Democrats. That's a well, Twitter feed. You know, you go to war against uh, oil and gas and coal. That's what generates electricity in, in most of the United States because they haven't built a nuclear plant in 25 years, and they're decommissioning a lot of them. Yep. So let me see. Let's add more things that need electricity, but let's not build any more plants. I don't know about this, but I hate to tell you that that won't work. That doesn't sound like a, a winning strategy. It's not. not if you don't have any kind of idea <laughs> for, for any way to keep up with it yeah. in the future. Yeah. yeah. And they can't. They're not planning ahead. They know that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you, Blake. I'm, that, I said the same thing that you're saying right now back about 30 years ago. You won't remember this because I think you probably don't even a gleam in your father's no, I wasn't. Line. I'm only but the bottle, the bottle, by the bottom, here, here's what they were saying there. We were into gray gas. You'll remember this, Joe. Mm-hmm. We were running out of oil mm-hmm. in the world. By a certain date, there'd be no more oil in the world. You know, you hear, Bloop, and that was the dri- last drip of oil coming. Guess what? Along came fracking. Yeah. And now we got more oil than we know what to do with. I'll tell America. you what, though, Dave. I actually studied geology in college. I did a little bit of college stuff. Fracking 
Uh, Oklahoma has the most fracking in the country. Yes. Oklahoma also has the most earthquakes in the entire country, over Alaska, California, and I think Washington combined. So it's a good, it's a good, but it's, it's sometimes it's a necessary evil. But also, you know, you got to look forward to the future. It's not going to last forever. You know, one day we will run out of oil. You sure about that? I am. I mean, we live on a finite planet. There's only so much under the ground that we can, you know, extract that, that's worth our money. You know, eventually gas will be $15, $20 a gallon. We'll have to figure out another way. Blake, I'm going to tell you what Winston Churchill said. Oh, uh, yeah? How old are you? 28. 28. If you're under 30 and you're not a liberal, uh, all right, you don't have a heart. Oh, uh, wow. But when you turn 30... And you don't become a conservative, you don't have a brain. <laughs> you got a couple of years. <laughs> you got a couple of years yet. To well, I tell you, Dave. That's I just right. sometimes I'm a little younger. I just feel like I have a different viewpoint of the world. Absolutely, just because I've met a lot of different people. But yeah. younger people have a different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'm going to be honest because I was younger one time. I know you mm-hmm. look at me and you go, "No." <laughs> then not, you write with not, uh, stone tablets. Yeah, and, I, and, I wrote a brontosaurus that's story. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, bottom line is, there was a time when I thought I that I had the answers to this, and guess what? Nope. Right. Nope. Absolutely. Nobody's got the answers to the problems we have these days. What about some cars, though, Dave? I'll change the subject real quick. You did a good job. That's a way. Have you ever thought about being a talk show host? I I don't, but I talk on a microphone quite a lot, so I'm not worried about it. Well, to continue that conversation just a little bit, what generally changes some of the minds from the young folks to the older folks is when they have children. And then it ain't all about them. It's about, what about that kid there? And then when that kid gets 20 years old, 25 years old, and you get a grandkid, mm-hmm. you turn your attention from, what can I do for the world? And then it's all, what can I do for my family? Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned about that than I was about trying to save the world and fix everything that was wrong with it. I just need to keep what's happening in my house under control. Well, yeah. my, my, my friend Tim Lim mm-hmm. just had his first daughter. Her name is Charlotte. Yeah. And I didn't say to him what I usually say to every new father, and that is this. when I said, I want you to tell me when your child is born and the nurse puts that child in your arms if it's, that's not the heaviest weight you've ever felt. That's correct. I can't even imagine. I mean, all of a sudden, there's this major shift that occurs. Oh, absolutely. Your attitude changes about everything. Yeah. It's not about you, and, and, and it's your, new, your newborn and your new family. That's right. You're going to go to work, and you're going to make prosperous for them everything you can. Well, Blake, you're married, right? I am. Have you guys thought about no. when you want to start a family yet? Emily, my wife's in grad school. She's actually trying to get her doctorate <laughs> well, see, right now. now. I'm glad to hear that you evidently, I think, probably have talked about it, but she's mm-hmm. in grad school. This is not the right time to do it. No. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I wish more people would do that. Yeah, you got to be sensible and reasonable and try, smart. Try to be sensible mm-hmm. and reasonable about it. Yeah. And right now, with inflation and everything, the way it's going and... Can't even get a bottle of baby formula or right. a can of it. Who wants to jump into that There fight? you go. Absolutely. All right. Nick says he's got a 2012 Volvo. It's an X60 base six-cylinder, three-liter engine. My AC compressor does not come on. Ooh, not a good thing. Not a good thing where it's hot. 
my blow motor was replaced, and now my AC will not come on. It only blows out hot air. It has no leak. Its refrigerant is full. I can't find any blown fuse. Is there a way to test a compressor clutch directly to see if it engages? You just answered your own question. Is that not right, Bray? Yeah, you check yeah. You, I mean, most of them they just run off a twelve volt fuse signal, so you can most of them. Now, this being a Volvo, it might be a bit of a different story. It might have its own logic to to turning on and off, but. Uh, odds are you need to get it scanned to see what sensor is not letting the AC compressor kick on because that's what it is. Something's not letting it kick on. Yeah, it's 2012. There's a, there's a data stream for that. You hook scanner up to it. You look in the HVAC or the climate control module, and you can see what's going on with that. And, you know, I would like to ask a question. Are there any other lights on in this car? Very true. Because if it's got a check engine light on, it's got an engine code set or even – other modules that have code set in them, it'll disable the AC because it's not going to function properly because it's detected a fault in one of the other modules. Absolutely. It could have even like the electric fans on the front. If one That's of the correct. fans has gone bad, that'll keep the compressor from kicking on. There's, there's plenty of things because it'll keep it from kicking on and damaging the engine. Yeah, but if you want to check, see if there's voltage to it, it's real simple test. Just take test light and go down there, clip the end on the ground, point it in on the hot wire. Put it on the tip of your tongue. And see if it's hot. <laughs> if it's got voltage to it down there. And it's got a ground down there, then the clutch is bad on the front of the compressor. Yep. The electromagnets. That's the way I always check the battery. And you can kind of tell sometimes when the clutch is going bad on them because they'll yeah. leave this kind of rusty residue that's been Look pouring it, out of the front of it. And it just, they see, it just, you can just tell that it just doesn't seem right. All right. Bumper to bumper certified service center. Just That'll call work. them. That's it. That's right. Just give us a call. That probably won't take a long time to figure out either, to be honest. All right, Willie. Now, I don't know if this is our Willie that we hear from all the time, but he's got... He don't drive a marquee. Okay. <laughs> 1996 Mercury Grand Marquee a GS, eight-cylinder, 4.6 liter. That probably was one of those police cars back in the day. Uh, plastic cowl gap, water leak, question mark. The plastic cowl has a gap between it and the windshield. It is supposed to be sealed and flush against the windshield question mark can a water leak or can water leak into the car with this gap no not normally there the cowl vents are just you know vents up there is where the fresh air comes in but underneath that a lot of a lot of vehicles especially this one has the windshield washer linkage under there and they'll have a metal cowling underneath that too yeah and it'll be it'll have drains on both sides. The only way it's going to get inside the car if the a cow drains are stopped up, right, Blake? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that, or if the you know the windshield is actually leaking or something like that. So, yeah, you're good on that. Okay, we'll come back after we take a break, and we'll have more questions for you. Don't forget about East End Towing. You need a tow? Give them a call. They have, uh, you know, probably faced a lot more towing than you have and they got the answers for you by the way you've got an 18 wheeler i was talking to duck he said he saw their brand new tow truck at east end towing said it is big and bad and if you got an 18 wheeler they can move your full truck private property tow they know how to handle that as well give them a call uh, 501-888-8849 that's 501-888-8849 49. All right, more questions, more car questions. You got a car question? 823-0965-501, of course. 501-823-0965. 
And Heidi's sitting over there. She's just really lonely today. Just give her a call. Set up a time uh, that you want to come on the show right now and say, I got a car question. She'll get you all set up and ready to go. Jose has a 2004 F-150 XL six-cylinder, 4.2 liter. Says, his, here's his, uh, his line. How to fix my truck. That's good. I like that one. That kind of covers everything. My truck starts, and as soon as I put it in reverse, it tries to turn off unless I keep accelerating it. But if I don't, it turns off. Well, I'd like to know if it does that in drive, too. Yeah, no kidding, because it sounds like it might be a little bit of low on power. When you give it a load, it kills well, the motor. You know, a 2000 model, uh, six-cylinder, 4.2 liter, idle air control motor, stopped-up, gummed-up throttle body, uh-huh. a lot of other things. Does it have any lights on? Check engine light. Does it have any codes in there? There's probably about 10 different things to make it do that. Yeah, you, I mean, you just have to start working down a flow chart and, and figure yeah. out what's wrong with it. I mean, it could even be even a wire shorted out when you put it in reverse. It That's kills correct. the motor. You know, something on a 5-volt reference, and, and the motor rocks the opposite direction mm-hmm. in reverse than it does in drive, so... There's a lot of a lot of little questions there we'd like to ask, and we're not getting an opportunity to do that. So, basically, uh, he needs to get it to a shop because I don't think this is any any. There's more things to check to eliminate than there is to point a finger at just one thing. Yeah, and if you don't have the the, the right software to tell you what to start and looking at, and the codes in it to tell you what's happening. You, there's just no way you could you could figure this out on your own at home. You'd have to take it to one of us and yeah. let us look at it. You mean you don't have a crystal ball? Well, I do, but it's on my toolbox. You need to, call, yeah. You need to, call, you know, call yourself Swami. <laughs> Joe knows what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Johnny Carson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He used to do that yeah. all the time. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. So anyway, he, did, right, he so just needs to get it someplace that can actually do some testing on it. Yeah. Just get on Google and put in bumper to bumper certified service center, and it will tell you where every one of them are here in Central Arkansas. Pick one. Because they all are great people, and they'll do the uh, they'll do all the work that you need done for your car or truck. All right, this is a longer one, guys. Jonathan is a 2003 Nissan Pathfinder. It's an LE, six cylinder, three and a half liter. Why is the service engine uh, soon? I guess service the engine soon light on. Got a 2003 Nissan Pathfinder. The service engineer light was on. Do I want? Uh, so I went to AutoZone and used their OBD2 reader, which indicated that the likely pi- pi- problem was bank two oxygen sensor. What a big surprise! I had the downstream sensor replaced, after which they cleared the error. I drove it just a short while, and the service engine soon. Uh, light came back on again. Obviously, the downstream sensor was not the problem. I decided to try replacing the gas cap because that's cheap. After I tried to clear the error from the computer by disconnecting the battery for a minute. However, it didn't work because as soon as I turned the ignition key, the service engine soon light was back on. I don't know if the gas cap solved the problem or not. How do I clear the error so I can see if the new gas cap solved the problem? And if it didn't, should I change the other bank to oxygen sensor? No. Right now, you need to stop. 
I mean, that, Stop. We, that, we've that talked parts about guy at AutoZone is happy about slinging parts at him all day long. Well, you know that. Yeah. Joe, how often do you get phone calls exactly like this message? Every day. Every day. Me too. Every day. Every day. And it's, it's you know, if, if, you, if you had a medical problem, okay, let me ask you a question. Would you go to your pharmacist mm-hmm. to get your medical mm-hmm. problem diagnosed? No. That's like a car has got a problem, so you're going to take it to the parts supplier mm-hmm. to ask them to diagnose what's wrong with it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And they're going to see that light, that it's going to say bank two, sensor two. All that's saying is that the, ca- the exhaust isn't working the way it's supposed to be working. It, it, it's, it's not switching. It's yeah. either staying rich too long, staying yeah. lean too long, or the heater element is bad in that O2. And and all those heater elements are, are fused. Yep. So if 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 it's got a if it's got a circuit problem there, he needs to check that. But I can promise you, there is no way a fuel cap will no, fix an O2 sensor code. I don't even know where he was going with that because it. If a fuel cap is out on your car, it's going to tell you large EVAP leak, That's possibly fuel cap. It goes a, into a different number. different data stream as far as codes go. Mm-hmm. But what always happens, and he's done two things here. One. Mm-hmm. He went to a parts store. Yep. Mm-hmm. They used this OBD2 on it, which yeah. will not give him all the information that, for instance, you all get off of your scanners. And, and number three, uh, typically it always says oxygen sensor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to think some of these guys stand at the counter. You come back. I they got, got them in their back pocket. Here, you I take this. this I got this cold, and they walk behind. <laughs> Maybe they get a commission on oxygen. Sensors. I don't know. Like, we sell fifteen this month. We get an extra. They 5%. go back to get one. They're going. <laughs> they got to know though, snickering. right? Yeah. They got to yeah. know when they scan a car every day, and it's an oxygen sensor. They got to be like, man, these oxygen sensors are just junk. These. Days. Where do we stock all them? <laughs> we stock a lot of them, but if you put this on, you can't you can't bring it back because then it's used. Oh, yeah. Then he did three things. Number three, yeah, he wiped out the data. Yeah. Made our job harder. Yeah, now yep. we'll have to go drive it and hope that it acts up the same yeah. way it did with him. Yeah. That's what I'm just saying. Start off with the person that you need to start with. If if you were having chest pains, you probably would go to the emergency room to let a specialist look at you to make sure you're not having a heart attack. Yeah. It's like if you had any kind of chest pains and the doctor, the, the they just told you to just take an aspirin. Don't yeah. worry about it. That's the part story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. You know, if it if it acts up, see me in a week if mm-hmm. you're still alive. <laughs> you know, well, just, just remember, 99.9% of O2 codes aren't the O2's bad. No. It's a fuel management problem. Yeah, usually the only reason you're going to have a bad oxygen sensor is if, like he said, the heater's yeah. shorted out yeah. or if the wires are cut or yeah. burned. That's it. Or if you had an engine that was running really, really bad and uh, a lot of excessive emissions and carbon buildup on it, some stuff like that, burning oil and yeah. things like that. That's, you know. But usually but, when you get in that world, your cat's going to be bad, too. That's correct. Now, that's when it gets expensive. Don't say that word. <laughs> Dave hates that word. I hate that word. They're expensive. Man, are they expensive. All right, we got to get a break in. Then we'll come back. We'll answer more of these questions for you. we got quite a few here today. Uh, when we come back, we'll do this 2010 Kia Optima issue with a clock spring. We'll talk about that. When we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Duck is, or not, is not here, and uh, Joe is here. Yeah, they've really, that has had that area tied up yeah. uh, for hours. It, that happened before 4 o'clock this morning. 
I saw it when I came through, knew it was there, uh, came through, and I thought I was back in the in the 70s at a discotheque. There was mm-hmm. all these red and blue lights going off, and the, the flashing lights were happening, the strobe lights were hitting me, and uh, there was a mess. They had four... They had four tow trucks sitting over yeah. there. So I don't know if they had a big head-on collision over in that area or what. I don't know either. I, I drove through it, you know, 10 mile an hour and backed up halfway down 67 coming southbound. And I'm like, what's going on? Get up there. It's off the access road. They got uh, the Vandenberg exit blocked off. They got the intersection at... Uh, uh, Vandenberg where it comes underneath the bridge blocked off and uh-huh. it was just a just a golf fest everybody's slowing down to look uh-huh. but you know i've been in this business for a long time i couldn't even tell what kind of cars those were down there that's how oh, bad yeah. they were tore up wow Oof. and i'm sure it's a fatality wreck now, i hope it just wasn't by the way the cars those, looked did they catch on fire uh, they had fire trucks there you know the fire station's right there yeah, yeah. it's yeah. right there uh, on the road right First there at it but they were out there with the ems and all that and i'm sure you know they responded just in case, but I didn't see anything burning. Mm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. haven't. I haven't seen any stories about this. But in the big cities, they're having a problem where people are sending out like uh, you know Snapchats out and meet here, and they're having they're all racing to the scene. It's a big mm-hmm. thing now, yeah. and then they shut down a whole intersection and things. And I'm hoping that that's not made its way. Uh, Arkansas now, because this is the kind of stuff that happens because of it. Well, when the traffic slows down like that, you have residual wrecks. There was one on the inside lane about a quarter mile from where that is. Uh, somebody didn't get stopped. Yeah, somebody, you get another one, so, another you know, one. it just wrecks cause wrecks. And when, <laughs> That's and when wrecks are caused, and people like Joe and Duck and Blake and everybody else has to call and get parts, and so they call B2B, bumper to bumper. Yeah. Because they get the parts for you guys, correct? That's yeah, right. they ain't stuck in traffic, golfing in a wreck. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how long it takes sometimes to clear up. And some of that is they start doing measuring immediately to mm-hmm. try to start figuring out who was they're that gonna do a, They're going to do a nature. crash analysis on that. And there was uh, two state troopers there and a Jacksonville cop and another one blocking the, the exit ramp. And, uh, and you know, when they're there that long, it's a fatality issue. Yeah, especially when it's a fatality because then yeah. you got to wait on a corner and then you still That's have correct. to know the story before you can move anything. That's correct. Yep. So it takes a long time to get it cleaned up. Then see, you're lucky you don't have to do that part of the gig. Yeah, I'm happy to not be in their shoes. you gotta, you just got to gotta fix the cars that were but what you're saying doesn't look like these cars these, are, these cars aren't going to be fixed unless you go see the guy that i saw when i wrecked my g6 and he didn't like my radio show and so he said it could be fixed <laughs> i got you <laughs> joe will remember that that no, was, I remember that it, was yeah. an interesting uh, situation yeah. but anyway bottom line is that uh, in that area it's really got things yeah just messed kinda. up going southbound Pick a different route if you're coming south. And I'm going to make some, another suggestion. You don't go back the same way you go back sometimes. Especially, now, do you come down 630 or do you come down 40 when you're going home? From here? Yeah. Well, no. if you're going from the station. Yeah, I go 440. Okay, good. You're, you're, you're all right. If you got to be on 630 mm-hmm. today and you're going home, know that they're starting to move the traffic today. Mm-hmm. To the new bridge, part of the bridge over yeah. the river. Are they really? Yeah. And it's going to be a mess 
for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I'm going to go four. I'm doing 440. Yeah. I'm going around it. Yeah, just best thing a, to do. Take Avoid a little time. I think yeah. that the, the state came out and said that, too, that you should take 440. And, like, absolutely. If you're coming from Benton, take, go all the way around instead of going mm-hmm. through downtown. App, I'm just telling you, absolutely, because on the 17th is when it's over with. when they make, And on that day, the eastbound traffic had already been moved over. Now they'll move all the westbound traffic over wow. to it. Mm-hmm. So that's going to have to be crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, then they can really get them work done on the bridge, though. Yeah. Because there'll be nobody it'll, on the bridge. It'll be really point. nice when it's done. It yeah, really I will. think that's what we all keep telling ourselves. We <laughs> <laughs> just hope. And I do. I, I, that's the way it was there on 67 when we went through, you know, the corridor of death yeah. between, between Jacksonville and, and Cabot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, when that got done, it's been well worth it. But yeah. I think it, that was a large chunk of my childhood was 67 like from when i was a kid to when i was an adult they were still working on that same part of 67 well they keep saying they're going to do 67 through jacksonville now they're saying two years from now uh, that's going to be a mess i don't know i don't know they can wait that long that bridge right there at vandenberg yeah, yeah. that uh northbound lanes have had concrete bust out of that twice and had to block a lane have emergency crew go out there fix big yeah. chunk of concrete coming lots along. of traffic in that area yeah lots of traffic okay Enough on that. Let me give you another question. I like listening to you guys do this. We're going to talk about a clock spring. Uh, 2010 Kia Optima SX6. I don't know if that makes any difference or not. Uh, or SX. It's a six-cylinder, 2.7-liter engine. My car is the Kia Cadenza 2010 model. I took my car into a garage for changing the light hand switcher uh which is located near the wheel steering steering wheel the mechanic put the steering wheel to the center then he took off the wheel and he took off the clock spring after he finished his work he returned back the clock spring and he returned everything back in its place again and i went home and everything was fine i drove the car three different times in uh, different days after the mechanic repaired but in the third time when I was driving my car, suddenly I turned the wheel full to the right, and when I went to turn back again, I broke the airbag wire inside the clock spring, and the airbag light showed up on the panel. This broken clock spring, I brought, bought it new from one year ago. I used it only for 40,000 kilometers of driving. My question is, is this a mistake from the mechanic or not? And should he buy me a new clock spring? Well, I'll start with, I don't think it's the clock spring. I bet you the airbag has become disconnected on the back of the airbag module. Well, it might be, you know. Um, it's a resistance thing. could be a connection thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say the technician did anything wrong because I don't know. But once you find out what's wrong with it, you could possibly tell if he did. Mm-hmm. Second... It's a 2010. It's 12 years old. I wonder what the mileage is on that vehicle. Because I'm going to tell you, spins. a continuous contact spring is what that is. We the short name is a clock spring, but it it's got a wire band in it that spins around, so you can turn the wheel to the left all the way and all the way to the right, and it has got continuous contact for steering wheel controls, horn, as well as the airbag module. So any of that comes into play. It just could be wore out. Mm-hmm. It could have just been its time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those things, when you mess with them, they're, they're fine. It might last 100,000 miles, but as soon as you touch it, 
you just put it past that point where it doesn't want to work anymore. Um, and there's just nothing you can do as a mechanic or as a tech or as a shop. It's just you have to tell the customer you need a new part, and there's just it's old. That's just how it is. Well, you know, you just sometimes you take things apart and they're made out of plastic. Everything's mm-hmm. made out of plastic. It's brittle and you're wiggling it. It's bolts down, screws down, whatever you remove and you put back. And if it cracks and breaks, what do you do? You still had to take it apart to make the repair. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's not your fault. It's just the world we live in. And some customers, they don't understand that. And But, you know, just basically do good communication, explain it to them. And if they have questions, show them what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we do. How about you, Buck? That's that's what I do. I tell you, the worst ones is when you do dashes on older Dodges. Yeah. I refuse to do a dash anymore on an older Falls Dodge apart. without a without a replacement kit. I'll tell them you have to buy a replacement kit if I'm put if I'm working on your dash because yeah. they fall apart. They they do. It's just you touch it that far that hard and it just falls into pieces. It, you be can like, see that it wasn't very hard. Though. It wasn't very hard. <laughs> I know nobody's watching me, but uh, yeah, just just barely tapping it with your finger, it just falls apart. And and, and when it, when it cracks and breaks, it's like a, a puzzle. All those little pieces. Hundreds of them. And you can't make a repair like on a heater core, evaporator core, or a, a blend door actuator, or a mode door actuator. On the heater case, it's underneath the dash. You pull the dash out, and I'm the same way. I tell the customer, look at this dash. It'll never look like this again when I get through because it's going to break. We can buy a cover for it, but if you don't want that, when I put it back in, you're going to see cracks and pieces missing. There's not anything I can do about it. Absolutely. Okay, with that in mind, how much would a new dash cover cost? Usually, if you buy one, if they're still available from Dodge, they're about about three or $400. Um, The main thing is you have to have the dash out of it to put the cover on because they bolt in from the inside. They'll have like, oh, God, like 25 or 30 on the front edge like five millimeter screws that hold it in so you have to have the dash already off to put a new one on it you can't just slap it on it well you can some of them they make you can just like velcro to the top but yeah they're just covers they're they, not they still make a lot of noise full replacement or you can well, get some of those that have what you're saying right yeah they're, okay they're, they're carpet covered you know mm-hmm. those yeah. are those are fine i don't mind those yeah so but anyway that that's the world we live in and this guy here <clears throat> he wants to blame the tech for that but you can't really do that. You could go in there with a scanner and you could look at the clock spring before it broke and see if it was centered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he took it and the steering wheel was straight and he put it, pulled it off, put it right back on, he probably didn't do anything unless something come unplugged or something didn't get clipped yep. in good, something, you know. Interesting. And I'd like to know how they know it's the airbag, that, that airbag, because there's mm-hmm. 20 different things that can qua- cause the, the... They're assuming. This, yeah, exactly. They're assuming. And always assume this. It's a man-made car. Mm -hmm. It will break sooner or later. Absolutely. You know, most of these that I've had anything to do with, if 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 you're making a repair and you let the steering wheel spin and you and, and you overextend the clock spring to the left or the right, it don't drive for two or three days. Mm-mm. No, it's, it's immediate. immediate. Because most of these vehicles today will have what they in the clock spring they'll have what they call a steering angle sensor. Mm-hmm. And the minute you start that up, you're gonna have some lights come on. And it's going to be for the vehicle stability control, the VSC or the TSC traction control. And that's telling you that that clock springs out of center. Yeah. And it's not just going to – most modern cars will have 15, 20, 25 wires in that clock spring. Because you think every button on your dash, that's a different wire. It's connected. So if one fails, mm-hmm. odds are it's not just that. It, that's correct. It's got other stuff going on. Yeah, we've, right. we've seen them come in before where, hey, everything works except my horn don't work. Clock spring bad. All right, we got to get a break. Let's do that. 13 minutes till 8. 
And Blake and Joe will be back with us in just a moment. We're going to talk about Sergio's 1991. He still thinks that's a a new car. (laughs) 1991 Jeep Cherokee. Base six-cylinder, four-liter engine, and his air conditioning fan is fading when he accelerates. What could be the problem? We'll find out from Joe and from Blake when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's answer this question because i got another question for you, and it concerns my car. Sergio has a 1991 Jeep Cherokee. Uh, it's the base model, six-cylinder, four-liter says, I'm having problems with my air conditioner on my new, no, he didn't say that, on my 1991 Jeep Cherokee with an inline six. And as I accelerate it, it blows less air when I stop accelerating and just go at a steady speed. The air conditioner fan seems to come back to normal. I've changed the vacuum lines and installed a new blower fan, but the problem still exists. I'd greatly appreciate any kind of help to solve this problem with my Jeep Thank you. All right. That vehicle there, Dave, has still got vacuum controls for the HVAC ducts. The blend doors, the recirculate door, the mode door and all that. And so it uses a vacuum supply from the engine. Now, the way it's supposed to work, you have a vacuum supply on the intake, goes over to a one-way check valve, which lets vacuum travel one direction but not the other. And then it goes to a vacuum reservoir, and then that reservoir it's got a, another line coming out it that goes inside to work all those controls because what happens when you accelerate a combustion engine, it loses all intake vacuum. It goes away. So you have to have the varessor on there to maintain enough vacuum to hold those uh, vacuum solenoids in position. So if you accelerate and the air stops blowing out, the dash starts blowing out the defrost, what's happening is either the one-way check valve is bad or you have a vacuum leak or the varessor is leaking, and it's not got enough storage to maintain for hard acceleration. That's what's going on with that. Blake, aren't you glad you were born after that? Every single one of those. Tor- <laughs> Every time I mess with a car that has a vacuum leak that's got 65 vacuum tubes, I just think to myself, how lucky I am not to be alive in the 80s and the 90s. No. Man, you're real lucky. You know, the wipers used to work off vacuum. Yeah, I know. My, <laughs> my wipers on my 69 yeah. Dodge Charger. It worked the light, plus it, it pulled the lights up yeah, and down. Yeah. It flipped the t- lids on them. Yeah. And I had so much trouble just driving down the road, and all of a sudden they'd close off. No lights. Yeah. Yeah. Pe- people talk bad about the wiring on modern cars, but when you look at something from the late 80s that looks like a spaghetti mess on top of the motor, <laughs> and then you just know something's leaking, but you don't know where it's at, that's, yeah, it's I, a good time. I'll give you an example on that, Blake. Uh, the vacuum schematic for a 1979 Lincoln Continental, okay, was as many pages as what the wiring schematic was for the engine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> you send me a whole roll of, of quarter-inch tubing. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I got a problem. And I was talking during the break about this, and Blake says, ask that question on the air, because this happens to a lot of people, Dave. Yeah. I get in my car. I get ready to drive. Now, of course, you've got to put your foot on the brake to put the car into gear. So I put my foot on the brake. I go to put it into gear. It won't go into reverse. If I there's, – there's like a little handle there that goes in, and then you'll, you can pull it. So if I finagle the handle a little bit, it goes in, drops in the reverse, and no problem. All mm-hmm. right? Uh, 
Okay, so what's the problem? Now, I talked to Duck, and he thought it was maybe a cable. However, Blake said, wait a second here. Well, I mean, it, it just, and this is why I told him to ask, I wanted you to ask it online, because it's so it's so common for people to spill a Coke or energy drink or mm-hmm. even their coffee into the center console, and that'll cause everything to be sticky. And like we were talking about, it's got a little shift interlock solenoid in there, and that's what, when you push the breakdown, it lets that solenoid know, hey, he's got the breakdown, we can shift into reverse or drive. It moves that solenoid out of the way, and then you can put it into gear. And if it gets sticky and it can't move that solenoid anymore, you have to shake it, and then it, it'll be able to jump out of the way. Just pull, your, pull it apart and clean it, you okay. know? If, and, you, if you can't afford to take it to a mechanic, you can fix it on your own. That's okay. not too bad. And here's what Joe said. He said it might be an off switch thing underneath the brake. Is that right? Well, you could have a bad brake light switch, too. Now, now you might say, well, my brake lights work. But the brake light switch is a multi-switch, mm-hmm. too. It does more than just work the brake lights, right? Absolutely. It works the shift lock interlock. It works the cruise control shutdown. So if you have your own cruise and you touch it. So there's more switches going on with the brake light switch. To go. Used to be two wires going to it. Now you go down there and about five or six. Mm-hmm. So it, it's more than that. But you can check all of that with a scanner and see if it's functioning. Mm-hmm. But we've seen them, haven't we, Blake, where yeah. the customer's complaint is, when I get in my car in the morning when it's cold, I can't get it to go into gear. Absolutely. And when it warms up outside, it works fine. That's because whatever's spilt down in there, when it gets cold, it gets really gummy. Oh, okay. <laughs> when it warms up outside and the sun shines in there and warms the interior up, then it'll work fine. And we've seen that hundreds it, of times. It never anyway. fails. It looks like tar down in there because yeah. it'll be so sticky. Yeah. yeah, it's dried Coke. Well, I haven't, I haven't spilled anything down there. So I'm, I'm figuring... Well, Sounds yeah. like to me something maybe is going bad. And you it know. could be that switch, and they're not really that expensive, so no. it's it's not the end of the world. No, that's so it's this, this comes up for a simple reason. It's almost vacation time for the Ellswick plan. <laughs> Don't uh, want to get down there. That's, that's, just right. me, that's just me and my wife, and we're, we, go, we like to go down to Florida after everybody else goes away. Mm-hmm. So we're heading down there to Panama Beach and uh, at the end of the month. And so I'll be putting four new tires, and when I'm doing the tires, I'll let you take a look at that. Sure. And, and, and anybody that's out there listening, this is an important piece of information, too. If you have a console shifter, 90% of them have a little bitty square plug on them, don't they? Like, yep. Now, what that's for is let's just say the battery's dead and you're going to have your vehicle towed. It's for the tow operator to be able to pop the little plug out and take a key or a pocket knife and stick it down in there and push that shift lock release down so he can get it out of park so he can mm-hmm. tow it. So if, okay. if you get in that situation. If you get trapped somewhere. Yeah. There you go, you put it in, You can put it in neutral and start it, or you can put it in park and, and start it and push something down in there. And, yeah. And, and then do what you you know continue with your day that way you're not stuck in a parking lot at Hooters or yeah, something like that yeah <laughs> until my wife come pick me up at Hooters that'll work out really well all right I appreciate both of you guys coming uh, in today Blake thank you for coming by today appreciate you coming in for Duck he's taking uh, you know a little time off during uh, the, uh, the the what is it Labor Day sure. holiday plus. It should be a holiday on Saturday anyway. It's the first day of Razorback football. Yeah. Big game tonight on television, if you're interested. Purdue takes on Penn State. Big Big Ten matchup. That'll be mm-hmm. good at uh, Boilermaker Field. And, Joe, thank you for coming by as well. You're welcome, Dave. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank Appreciate you, Dave. it. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Nine o'clock, Jimmy Cavan's going to be by. What's going on with his ongoing struggle on FOI and uh, the city of Little Rock not complying? 
That's against the law. We'll talk about it when we come back at 9 o'clock. Let's get into the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Thursday. I got a hold of Lance Hines. He was supposed to be on this morning. He uh, texted me back, said, I forgot to set the alarm at 530. Uh, Can we reschedule? And I did, and we have rescheduled for him to be on Tuesday at 9 a.m. So he'll be in my 9 o'clock hour on Tuesday. I've also sent, because of some things that I've discussed with uh, Jenny, uh, Jimmy Cavan uh, here in the last hour, because he's going to be on with me today here in just a moment, to see if Larry Jagley uh, will come on. He's the prosecuting attorney of uh, Pulaski County. Uh, he'll, he'll be that until January. And what's the... Is it Ward? Is that the new guy? Sir. Who's the new P, uh, 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 prosecuting attorney? Um, uh, Jones. Jones. And, yes, sir. And see if see if I can get him involved as, as well. I mean, here's the key. I want to know why nobody is, be, is holding this administration uh, responsible. And this administration is the Scott administration, the... Uh, Look, I've never had this problem in the past from Stodola or anybody about uh, FOIA stuff. They have they have uh, shared that to us in a timely basis whenever I've happened to, to ask for it. Uh, I've gotten to know Jimmy here over the last few weeks. Um, he's got the time to go in and start digging around and things that I've been wanting to dig around in for a long time. And since uh, he's got that time, I'll let you know. On the, I'm going to use him here on the station, and so we can get this information out to you uh, because he's getting it. He's getting it back. However, from the city, he's not getting it back in a timely manner. Uh, they're doing what since Watergate we've used this term. Uh, they're stonewalling. Uh, they are trying their damnedest to and, and slow and slow perp walk it out is what they're trying to do. Uh, they've got this information. I know they've got this information. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to get this information and get it out to uh, the people who deserve to know about it. And that's you. All right. You need to know what's going on uh, be- behind the curtains for the Wizard of Oz. You do. You've seen The Wizard of Oz. You've seen that part where Toto runs up, grabs the curtain, and pulls it back. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. You know, that that's the whole thing. And what we're trying to do is give you an opportunity to pay attention. Uh, 
to the man behind the curtain because they'll try to do everything they can with smoke and mirrors to cover up what their intentions and what they are doing. So uh, that's that's my whole object in all of this is to get it out. Transparency, transparency, transparency. You know what cockroaches don't like? Light. You ever you ever got up in the middle of the night? Ever been in a in a place where you had problems with cockroaches? I have. All right, I've lived in places that most of you would never live in. I'm just telling you because I'm in radio and we don't make a lot of money a lot of times. And I get up in the middle of the night, go to the kitchen to get something, turn on the light, and you just saw all these black things scurrying for the dark. That was cockroaches. Well, that's exactly how it happens, <coughs> is when you start doing FOIA requests, because FOIA is the light for cockroaches. It just really is. So with that in mind, i got Jimmy here today, and uh, Jimmy's I've got a place for him at 9 o'clock on Thursdays now. He is a, If he's available, he'll be here. All right? And as he's digging, we're going to put out what he's digging up. All right. This is not stuff that he makes up. It's not stuff that he writes himself. This is nothing more than uh, forms and numbers and receipts that the city has. Yes, sir. That shows that what they're doing. By law, they got to keep this stuff. And if they are not keeping it, they're breaking the law because you as a citizen have the right to know what your elected representatives are doing with your tax money. There's no, no doubt about that. And, and the fact is, in their own writing, they have broken the law on record retentions. And uh, uh, CFO, city CFO Sarah Linehan actually put that in writing that they were missing credit card statements and they didn't scan them and retain them, which is a violation under law under Title 14. Mm-hmm. And I also under, contend under Title Five that when you obliterate, destroy, remove, or conceal a public document or public record, that actually is a Class D felony. Well, here's the bottom line. Here's what happens <laughs> many times in politics. All right, I've been involved in politics for a long, long time in a lot of places, Texas. Florida, North Dakota, Indiana, and now Arkansas. And there's one thing that runs through all of those states. There may be laws that say that they've got to do things. Whether they do them or not depends on you. And by you, I'm talking about you, the voter, or you, the citizen, and in this case, Jimmy. All right, Jimmy's doing you a great service here by going and getting this information and sharing it with you so that you don't have to take your time to do it. <clears throat> so make yourself comfortable <laughs> and uh, over the next few weeks, and we're going to keep bringing this stuff out to you. And not only that, we're going to bring out that there's people within the, the mayor's uh, administration that is anything but uh, nice about getting this information that that's a fact <laughs> that's a proven fact and where we're at right now is that uh, last week prosecuting attorney if everybody remembers i filed a i went down a road nobody goes and i filed a complaint 
with the prosecutor's office for criminal charges because under 2519-104 in Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, if you violate any provision of the chapters in there, it's actually a Class C misdemeanor. So people tend to want to go to court and sue, and so I went a different direction because a crime's a crime. People are prosecuted for misdemeanors every day. So why shouldn't, why shouldn't the mayor? And so Larry, uh, Prosecuting Attorney Larry Jagley took it very seriously um, in uh, email exchanges, uh, assigned uh, Jill Camps, who's a, a very good prosecutor in his department, to the case. Uh, what they determined is that in a letter to Mayor Frank Scott from Larry Jagley, uh, the prosecutor's office determined that they were not following the law. So this was kind of a preemptive shot. Yes. Okay. Yes, and and fairly so. What the prosecutor, what Mister Jakeley said was, look, and uh, in the letter he's pretty much saying, look, you're not violating the law. You know, we've got the evidence of that. You know, we we've we've just established you're not violating the law. Uh, what he said was, look, we're going to give you three days to either completely fulfill. The request because they partially fulfilled, but completely fulfilled the request from Mr. Cavan, myself, or determined that there are no more records and no records available. Okay, one now, of the two. This is Jagley. All right, Mallow. Before Jagley sent a letter out, Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, didn't he send them a, a memo saying, "Hey, no, you're not keeping up with this stuff." Now, yes, yes, as far as yes, sir. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Now, yes, when when I was going back and forth with the city uh, about getting the information and they weren't giving me everything, uh, I included Tom Carpenter in emails. Tom's a very good attorney. And Tom even, in an email exchange, informed Frank Scott and staff that, look, you know, this should have already been done. Mr. Kevin should already have this information, and he cited the law to them. Well, when he did that, not shocking to me and other people around, not shocking to you, Dave, but the mayor completely ignored his own city attorney's yes. letter and did not even respond to him. So I, let me ask the question, why should the mayor have a city attorney if he's not going to listen to him? Exactly. And I've made the point, and I've made it in emails to Prosecuting Attorney Jagley and Camps. I've made it in emails to the city board that I've made the point that City Attorney Tom Carpenter and Chief Deputy Attorney Alex Benton, that all they can do is that their client is Frank, basically Frank Scott and City Hall. Uh, and the board. All they can do is advise their client, provide them the law, and advise them what they should do. They cannot make them do it. Well, they're not the law. They're, they're not the, the mayor. Right. Exactly. And so, basically, and, and it's all documented, Mayor Frank Scott has pretty much ignored what his own city attorneys told him. And now we're to a point it's almost like he's going to ignore the prosecutor because when the prosecutor sent him that letter uh, and told him they had three days, okay, uh, August 3rd is just uh, a couple of days ago, uh, a response came from Tom Carpenter, the city attorney of Little Rock, to Larry Jackley. Now, here again, let me keep in mind that, that Tom Carpenter's client is, the, is City Hall. I am not his client. Okay. So he has a job to defend. So basically what he pushed back 
and basically in a two-page letter said that they had complied with the laws and that they basically were not stonewalled me, that I've gotten all the documents. Uh, he writes at one point, he said, Mr. Cavan repeatedly told city officials that he understood that his requests were robust and that he would not hold us to a three-day limit. That's not true. Uh and he said, obviously, his complaints to you, talking about Jiggly's office, did not reflect that same sentiment. And that's exactly right. It didn't because it's not true because I provided the prosecutor's office with all the email communications. Uh, the city, I'd asked for it. The city said, hey, we'll have it ready by this date. I talked to Alex Benton. I said, look, I'm very reasonable on the request. And so we worked out to have it uh, by a certain date, which they both agreed to. And when that date it came, came and, out, it came and came went. and went. And uh, so we talked further. I said, "Look." And so I told them on a Friday. I said, "Look, here's where we're at. If you know you you told me you would give me the information, you told me I would have it by this date. It's come and gone. Da da da. So if I don't, you know, receive." Information today. Well, actually, I didn't even say that. I said I'm going to file a complaint with the prosecutor's office and seek criminal prosecution. Well, I sent that that morning. By the afternoon, I start getting documents. Would it be surprised? But the problem is, is I didn't get all the documents. All right. Yes, keep sir. Your, keep right there at that store. Put a bookmark there. We'll be right back okay. to it. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. What they want to do for you is to put jewelry on uh, you or somebody that you really care for that's exceptional. I mean exceptional jewelry. That's what Eric Coleman does. I just looked at uh, some stuff over uh, last night. I'm looking to get... Uh, something for myself and my wife that comp- that puts the star and David, uh, star of David, and a cross together. All right, uh, kind of a Judeo-Christian uh, medallion that you wear as as a, as a necklace. And uh, I'm got to send this to Eric, and Eric will look at it, and then he'll make his his suggestions. I I want to do it in silver can't afford to do it in gold but we can probably do it in silver and i want one for me and i want one uh for my wife so with that in uh, in in your mind i'll keep you up to date on what's going on i'll start printing the pictures of it on my facebook account things of that nature i'll be in touch with eric before the weekend he's at 3000 cavanaugh sweet e and this is the kind of stuff he can do I mean, he is really an artisan. He is fantastic in, in the work that he does. Uh, so you can stop by with pictures and ideas and things of that nature, talk to him, and uh, he can go from A to Z and tell you about how much it's going to cost, if you want uh, what kind of uh, gemstones do you want, you want colored uh, diamonds, you want just diamonds, do you want you know emeralds or rubies or just decorative rocks, or, or what is it that you want to use, and Eric will work with you. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6, and uh, you can just give them a call if you want, 501-246-3655, 501-246-3655. That's Eric Coleman and Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Make sure you get the app, all right? That's uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Go ahead and download it. If you put it on your phone, 
There's no reason why you can't listen to me wherever you are. All right? Just keep that in mind. If you're in Vegas, you can listen to my show so you don't miss anything. Of course, I can't imagine. You listen to me and not have fun in Vegas. But the bottom line is, if you wanted to, you could do so. All right. Jimmy Cavan is here. He is my FOIA warrior. And uh, pick up where you were at, Jimmy, and bring us up to date where we're going. Yes, sir. And um, so basically, they would given me documents, but they weren't everything. So the prosecutor, as I said, had said, hey, you know, you know, it's it's not up for debate. In his letter, basically saying it's not up for debate. You didn't follow. This is the law, law. right? Thank you know, you. follow the law. So Tom responded with his letter, which basically said, uh, you know, that they had complied, which is not true. And so I replied, uh, you know, giving them the evidence that that was not true, and that when in a separate request, I'd ask for all receipts on those credit cards that everybody's talking about. Uh, and in those files, in a very separate request, they actually somehow sent me a file with 280 credit card statements in it, and which was what I'd asked for to begin with, separate requests. So they actually included this somehow, maybe by accident, uh, on the request uh, for the receipts. So me being me, I go, okay. I go back through these 280 bank, bank statements or credit card statements one by one. And you found out what? Well, I found out that now that they included 24 credit card statements of the 46 missing that they said didn't exist. They said the reason we, I didn't have 46 statements or missing 46 statements because there was no activity during those months. Okay. All right. So somehow, and I think I think they sent it to me probably by mistake, but by doing that. I go, okay, well, that's not true because I've got this file with 24 of those 46 That I didn't even ask for, and lo and behold, these happened during the time that I'm asking you about. And this is is my editorial on this, okay? And, you know, I tell people all the time, my grandpa had a saying uh, coming up in Lone Oak County, you know, some people tell a lie when the truth sounds better. And when that happens, you tell so many that eventually you forget what you've told and everything. And so by me getting these statements, it's kind of that. I think you've tr- they've tried so hard to to send stuff and, and hide stuff that they forget what they've done. Yeah, that's what my father – my father said, if you always tell the truth, you'll never have to worry. That's right. You, what your answer is – will never vary from it well i informed the prosecutor of that and i'd formed uh jill camps that last week prosecutor in my response to tom's uh, letter i informed the prosecutor officially of that I've, I've sent all the documents and the evidence of that last week to prosecutor jill camps um so and one point i made is you know i said now to tom's statement that i believe there were missing statements uh he was saying in his letter, which it's his job to defend them, that I believe there was missing statements. Well, there's more to it than that. It wasn't just my belief. Sarah, the CFO of Little Rock, Sarah Linehan, said it was so. Yes, said that there were missing records. And I reminded him that letter. And I said, uh, Tom, the statement, I believe there were missing statements that belief is backed up. By CFO Sarah Lennon's email to Tom, where she stated that statements were missing and that some were not scanned and retained. 
and I said, your office has a copy of that. So that pretty much blew that out of the water. So where we're at right now is, like I said, they've got a capital murder case going on this week that Prosecutor Jill Camps is, is involved in. So I have not pushed anything because I think that yeah, legitimately probably, takes president, yeah, that's, right? It's more important. So where we're at now, I don't know if you want to call it the old Mexican standoff, but here you have the prosecutor said, hey, you have not followed the law. You've got three days to follow the law. Now you have Frank Scott saying, well, we have followed the law, and we've done everything we're going to do. And hasn't. And has not. So now it's kind of a deal where Mayor Scott is looking at the prosecutor and basically saying, no. I'm saying no to what you sent me, and what are you going to do about it? So now we're in a position to see what the prosecutor's office does. I've, they've got the evidence. They know it's correct. They've already. There's no debate uh, as far as the prosecutor's concerned. There's no debate that the city Frank Scott did not follow the law. So Frank Scott has just kind of put it back at him, like you know. So right. What you going to do about it? That's pretty much it. So that's now we're. I, this is how I see the mayor. He's like a petulant child. Mm-hmm. He really is. The kid that you tell them they got to do something, and they go, I'm not going to do it, and what you're going to do about it. That's pretty much the way it is, and, and I go for it with the king mentality. All right. Let's uh, let's hold right now. we got to get to the bottom of the hour and get some news in. We'll do that. Jimmy Cavan with me on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about ICU protection. Now, remember... I was telling you that uh, Billy Mack, um, they've had a kind of a terrible tragedy happen for his family. And I asked uh, when you had your silent time if you'd say prayers for him. I'll check in with him today and see how things are going uh, with his family. Just know that he could use your prayers at this time. But uh, he wants you to know that ICU Protection stands ready with the people that work for him to get your home uh, safe and secure and your business safe and secure by using his uh, protective services that he has indoor and outdoor sensors he's got indoor and outdoor cameras he's got motion detection uh, and maybe the most important thing is the analytics and that is you know these cameras these sensors pick up things and what is it you know is it a person is it a, a plant is it an animal? Is it a gust of wind? The analytics can do that for you on ICU protection, and it goes directly to your smartphone, so you'll be notified what it is, when it is, and uh, what maybe you need to do with the information. So call ICU protection and Billy Mac at 501-205-1333. Last point I want to make with you. You only pay for the service. You do not pay for the hardware. Hardware becomes yours immediately when you uh, buy the protection services through ICU Protection. And uh, you get all that. All you got to do is pay for the service. You get the hardware for free. Again, 501-205-1333. All right. Jimmy Cavan here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to move into a different uh, Subject now, we left you that right now with the uh, uh, the, the public uh, uh, lawyer here, the uh, uh, Pulaski County uh, prosecuting attorney, Larry Jagley, saying three days, 
Uh, Scott not doing anything. It's kind of a Mexican standoff right now, kind of a, you know, who's going to blink first. Uh, so for us to just keep talking about that would just be redundant and very boring. So we're going to move on to something else because there's other things going on uh, that you've been keeping me up on uh, as far as this is concerned, uh, Jimmy. Let's let's take a look. I want to take us back to Cabot. Sure. What's going on in Cabot? Sure. If everybody remember, I did a lot of reporting on the uh, compensation that um, – Cabot Superintendent Tony Thurman was getting, which was uh, much more than what they had on the website, uh, basically roughly 50000 more a year, and that he was getting bonuses, uh, multiple bonuses uh, uh, that nobody knew about, car allowance, and uh, reimbursements. Insurance. Yes. For gas. Yes. Uh, massive amounts of reimbursements. Uh, to put his package uh, for actually his package for twenty one twenty two school year, as it was listed as two hundred forty four thousand on the website, but by the time it was all said and done, he had actually taken in uh, about two hundred ninety five thousand dollars. Nice job if you can get it. Yes, and so with all the pressure that got put on, uh, I went ahead and requested. All payments made to Tony Thurman uh, f- to date for the 2022-2023 school year. Fiscal year starts for schools on J- July 1st. So every July in the past years, Tony would get ten to $15,000 in bonuses. Okay. All right. This, this year, this July, all of a sudden, he didn't get a bonus. Oh, how interesting. Not only that... According to the records from the school district, he's not received any reimbursements the school year to date. Now, I can't help but think a couple of things. One, we made all this public. Public had no idea he was getting all this money. Public had no idea the board was doing it. But here's the other thing, if you remember that we broke out, is that the board had done all of this illegally. They never voted an open public session to give him this compensation. Yeah, they went into a, um, a session that precluded the public from hearing what went on. Yes, and even in that session, there is no record. But one, they can't vote on anything in that session uh, by law, so there's no record of any votes where they approve this, which they have to do. Now, I'm in the middle of the big deal and putting together a report on that so I can uh, take a legal action on that. Uh, but I do find it real interesting because we brought the numbers out, because we made the public where there was public outrage. Because of that, it seems that all of a sudden, okay, well, he didn't get a bonus. They didn't. The board didn't give him a bonus in July. He last year in July he got fifteen thousand dollars in bonuses. This year zero, and he he has received no reimbursements yet to date. Is that because there's an election in November? Is that because before we brought this up, there were three people up for re-election on the school board who had no opponents, and since we brought this up, now they have opponents? Is Vi Bell one of them? Lila Bell. Leah Bell. Leah Bell. Okay. I've been seeing her signs all over the place. Yes, she's one, and there's and there's several. There's several others, and so now all of a sudden these people have gone from no opponent to having appointments. So are they doing this just because of the public pressure and they've been caught? Or are they doing this because they just want to get past November 
and are these payments going to be deferred? Are we going to see after the election, we're going to start seeing all of a sudden these bonuses and reimbursements? These big, big, And we'll know that because every month, every month I'm going to ask for every payment made to Superintendent Tony Thurman. So if they're going to pay him, I'm going to know about it. We're watching. Yes, sir. Just yes, so sir. you know, we're watching. I mean, that's what the FOIA is all about. Yes, sir. Give us the opportunity to watch and make sure what you're doing is legal and above board. The the board can listen. I want to make clear the board can do this. Okay, they 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 just have to do it legally. Is it? Are they making a good moral decision if they do it? No. Do they have the right to do it? Yes, but they have to do it legally, and they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. They don't want the public to know about it. And if they're doing it the way that we've seen they've been doing it, uh, I think they're making a bad decision by throwing good money, bad money after good money, and on top of it, breaking the law and doing it. Well, when you, especially when we go back to the reading levels, right now, uh, district-wide, Cabot, uh, school district district-wide, the percentage of kids that are not reading ready is 57.2%. Across the school. Across the entire district. That's all the grades averaged together. Uh, district-wide average of kids that are not reading ready, 57.2%. More kids are not reading ready than are reading yes, sir. ready. Yes, sir. All right. And they want to give the man a 3% increase because of that? Well, I don't think that warrants 300000 a year, do you? No, I don't either. <laughs> I, and I agree with you. I, I agree with you. All right, let us take a break, and then there's a story that's percolating, and it uh, it involves uh, mayoral candidate Steve Landers, and we're going to bring that up. Want to get it out in front of you, so you hear it from hear it from us and what's going on, and know the truth before other people. Max Brantley try to spin it. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Last few moments. Uh, we've got about 13 minutes here to the top of the hour. Uh, Jimmy, something happened on social media, evidently, dealing with mayoral candidate Steve Landers. Bring us up to date on what everybody is – well, not everybody. It's just a few people, really, right now that are talking about this. Uh, but you're going to hear more about it, and I want you to hear about it before – Somebody tries to spin it. Yes, it um, and it is going to be a topic because uh, night before last, some uh, some folks, several folks, that called me and said, "Hey, did you see the post Steve Landers put on his Steve Landers for Little Rock campaign page?" And I said, "No." And I went to, and Steve had a post on there, and this is what it says: "It says Little Rock has the highest crime rate among state capitals in the country." He said, I want lawbreakers to be arrested, not citizens targeted because of their color, because of the color of their skin. Now, I want to read that again. Not citizens targeted because of the color of their skin. Well, when I read that, I said, you might as well have wrote the Little Rock Police Department are racist and they target people of color. That's the way people are going to take it. Sure. Sure. And so that next morning... I reached out to the campaign uh, to try to find out about it. The Steve Landers campaign. Yes. Okay. Yes. And actually uh, got to speak with Landers himself for a few seconds. He was gonna, uh, about to go into a meeting, but he said he would call me back. Um, right, a, right after that, but 
when I got off the phone with him, though, they took the post down. Okay. Now, he contacted me yesterday afternoon, and uh, we had a visit, and this is pretty much what he said. Um, let's see here. I've got it right here. Uh, is this verbatim, or is this how you part remember? Part of it is verbatim. I'm going to tell you his quote. Okay. And uh, I talked to him, and he, he had told me, he told me in a pretty clear voice, okay, pretty emphatic voice, that he did not make that post. Okay. Okay. So he's saying he did not make that post, and that he doesn't believe uh, for a second the LRPD officers are targeting anybody. He told me that that a media company that they had hired, okay, made that post, and he's and this is a direct quote from him. He went on to say, "I want to make clear to everybody that I support the LRPD officers one hundred and ten percent." Now the media company. Uh, which is no secret on his deal. The media company that uh, handles all this social media thing is Dave Creek Media, uh, which is out of uh, Conway. And uh, a man by the name of uh, last name of Crockett owns it, and he had worked for Axiom a long time and then started his own company. All right, so Steve told me on the phone that, that he fired Dave, uh, uh, Dave Creek Media. Okay. And I said, okay, did you fire them today for this? And he said, yes. He said, I fired them today. Okay. So th- that's what Steve told me yesterday. So I ran a story on it real quick last night uh, with what Steve said, what I'm going to do today, because that was yesterday evening, so I really didn't have time. Uh, I'm going to reach out to Dave Creek Media today. And, and see what their side is. Right. Right, because, you know, I want to be fair on everything. Uh, I did make the point, though, and I, and I think it's a point to make, that in in today's society and, and time, you know, t- politicians tend to hire media companies to handle their— Yeah, this is not abnormal. No, no, it's a, it's a common practice. But I think we've seen it time and time again, especially on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that— the people doing your messaging, you have free reign to post and tweet. And to me, I that's don't think that's danger, very smart. Yeah, it's a dangerous thing to do. And because so many times what happens is is they're going to put out a misrepresentation of what the what the politician or candidate actually feels. And we've we've seen it in national media, too. And so, and I'm not, when I say this, I'm in no way insinuating Dave Creek Media has an agenda, okay? I said, but I think we can all say that we've seen it where there have been messages put out that on behalf of politicians or behalf of candidates that are put out as if the candidate or politician is actually saying it when it's the media company and it's their narrative. Mm-hmm. And not the candidates' narrative. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes all the sense in the now, world. Now I'm going to say this, and I hope I don't hurt politicians' feelings out there. And I'm not saying this to Steve or anybody. I hope I don't hurt politicians' feelings or anybody out there. Of course, really, I don't care. I think that's stupid. I think if you're going to be a politician and if you're going to run for office, if you're going to and you're going to be an office holder, you need to be responsible for what you say and you say it. Yeah, don't have a media company do it or. If you're going to have somebody else say it, if it's you that they're saying is saying it, that should end up on your desk, and you should have to read it and give it the thumbs up or thumbs down. You should approve it. Landers is telling me that he didn't know anything about it. That's not good. Right. 
And so, like I say, I'm going to reach out to Dave Creek Media, see if they'll talk to me and say, hey, you know, here's here's what happened. You know, is this is this your side of it? Did you get fired for this? Or what's the deal? Yeah. So and, uh, anyway, that's out there. Just yes, know sir. that you're going to hear about it. Yeah, people are already now, talking about it. But now it. you know it. Now you know all about it, and you're going to even know more about it if the media company wants to talk about it. Sure. And I think, uh, my understanding, I saw some tweets uh, uh, from some people. Um, my understanding is several news media uh, organizations are probably going to try to run stories on it, Arkansas Times and things like that. So, and, uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's something that – we're ahead of that. That the, 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 the it's going to be a deal where people are going to see it. That's what I told. I wanted everybody to know what was out there before you started hearing people who have, to be honest, have uh, their own ulterior motives. Why do I do what I do? All right, and this is what I like about Jimmy because Jimmy and I see eye to eye about something. There's right things and there's wrong things, and you need to know. What is what? Yes, sir. I think I think when people when people say everybody's got agenda, and they say, "Well, Jimmy, you got an agenda," and I say, "You're absolutely right. I do. My agenda is right and wrong, and my my agenda is taking up for people that can't take up for themselves against bullies, and my agenda is getting the facts to the taxpayers. That's right, and that's what my agenda is. My agenda is you need. There is not a school board around that should be able to go into a special session, so to speak, and uh, go back and decide what they're going to do because they don't don't have to answer to the public because they're doing it that way. That shouldn't happen. It's like watching the media today, this lady who won in Alaska. Right. Okay? Here's what they're not telling you. It was a special election. Mm -hmm. It was a special election. What does that mean? That means... Very few people turned out to vote. So the, I don't know if she's an Inuit or, or whatever, she's a, a native Alaskan, uh, won over Sarah Palin. But come November, there's another election, there is another for, election. for the exact exactly. same yeah. thing. <laughs> and it is a general election that is totally a different animal. Very different. And I would not surprise me in the least if Sarah Palin wins. Yes, that, that's a, it's, a, it's a whole new ball game, different set of rules, different set of everything. But it's, I'm going to tell you, the people that are saying that, oh, look, she won, the reason that they're doing that is somehow they're tied to Democrats. That, you're only going to know the winner at the end of the election in November. That's correct. Absolutely. That's why that whole thing about Flores, the uh, – uh, the lady down in Texas that uh, that won uh, to fill in that position until November. Look, that ain't no big beans. No, until November. No. Now, if she wins against the Democrat that's running, then it becomes big beans, and it means the Democrats got a problem. Yeah, the 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 real ball game's November. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, winning today means nothing. And let me tell you something else. Nobody's paying any attention for the most part, except people like me and Jimmy, <laughs> because we love this stuff. And the same thing with Max Brantley. He loves this stuff, so he's paying attention. But most people aren't paying attention to the election and will not do so until after now, Monday. I will say Mitch. 
And Mitch, yeah. Mitch McCoy. I wanted to talk to him about him for a second, too. Mitch McCoy, Channel 16 and 4, right? Yes, sir. He's been taking it on the chin. Uh, he's been, been – I'm going to just say this is something that goes along with the gig when you're working. In the, uh, if you're trying to really do your job in the media, there are certain people within uh, pol- political circles that think that they can browbeat you to do exactly what they want you to do. And if you don't do it, get ready. Yeah, it's, they it bully, can get ugly. They bully and intimidate. As a matter of fact, uh, Mayor's Chief Staff came to Pruitt and their community uh, communication director, Aaron Sadler. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, after the August 9th board meeting, Mitch had done a story the week before about the FOIs and interviewed me and about the FOIs and, and it really pushed about the mayor's office. Well, uh, I got word that after that meeting, after everybody left, that Kendra had pretty much cornered Mitch and uh, begin to harass him, and Aaron jumped in too. All right, now I'm going to stop there okay. just so people can understand this whole story. The lady that's the is she the communications director or, or what? Kendra Pruitt is the mayor's chief of staff. Okay, she says this is off limits. Okay, off the record. However, you don't say that in a public place where there's cameras anywhere, and anybody who can go on and and listen to it. It's not off the record to them. No, sir. So what happened was after that, uh, there were people exiting that saw the confrontation, and they got a hold of me and said, hey, man, she she had him cornered and was working him over pretty good. So me being me, I FOI'd all the video from that entrance at the center's. And thinking I would just get video, and so I could see if there's anything. Guess what? We got audio. All right. Well, we, we've got we've listened to it. We'll tell you more about that next Thursday. But Mitch, let me just say this to you: If you're in the plane and you're taking flack, it means you're over target, my man. <laughs> All right. I got to get out of here until tomorrow morning, six a.m. Robert and Chris will be with us to talk with us tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.